Hey, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Well, Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. I love it for the simple fact that it brings the sponsors to you. You don't have to search for them, and they distribute it to all the major platforms for you. So if you want to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Again, anchor.fm slash S-T-A-R-T to join me and diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. And that's it. Let's go. Allow me to reintroduce myself. Welcome people to another episode of Supreme Decisions Legal Minute. Today we're going to talk about something that I actually find a little interesting because I've been listening listening to people talk about different things that interact or happen during a trial or in this case after a trial and what I mean is plea bargains I brought this up before because I talked about a movie it was a very good movie in my instance for um, Denzel Washington he played Roman J. Esquire Roman J. Israel Esquire. And what really caught my attention in this movie was the fact that he talked about the right to a fair trial. And that was his life mission. And the long and short of it is 95% of all trials or all 95% of all instances of any type of let's say legal matter never go before a judge or jury and by that standard are you exercising a right to a fair trial if you never go to trial so when you're looking at just the five percent that go to trial you look at why why are so many cases not going before a judge and it's because the way prosecutors win cases or become synonymous of being good is through the art of the plea because in essence they put up what I call baseball numbers when they go to trial because of what has to be proven and then the aspects of what has to be shown because going to trial is the art of storytelling. The biggest issue is if they're losing 70% of the time when they go to trial, why do not more people go to trial? And then when you're looking at those that are facing pleas, why is it that once you set a plea, you're automatically considered guilty? Well, one of those things that you can use as a tool in your cases if you find yourself in a situation where going to trial may not behoove you and you are just looking for an instance of you know what it's not looking good for the home team I didn't do it but in looking at the totality of everything that's before me I'm going to pretty much accept this and take whatever they're going to give me but it's called an Alfred plea 
and it's where the accused mains, maintains their innocence in a guilty plea. And that comes from North Carolina v. Alfred. It's a 1970 case, 400 U.S. 25. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because there are a lot of people that have accepted guilty pleas. And the one the one that actually stands out the most is the one that um, President Trump actually brought up and has maintained, you know, through pretty much the entire action. And it's called the Central Park Five. Now, the issue is once you enter a guilty plea, you are deemed guilty forever. The only way to get out of it or the only way to even have a opportunity at an appeal is through an intentional error, which would be on behalf of your defense team or your public attorney or on your arrest or some form that judicial mis, mis judicial <laughs> shit I can't say it judicial misconduct my logic is undeniable or you have an instance of absolute negligence now the easy one to get appeal is negligence because you can have one that states ineffectiveness of counsel and that comes in because the average case for every legal matter, there's a requirement of at least 100 hours on that one case. That is two and a half work weeks on one case. If you are not spending 100 hours on a legal matter, you have not performed the requirement of any legal matter. So, when you're looking at a public defender or a public attorney, you are looking at someone that is pretty much stretched beyond means because generally they're only spending 20 minutes to an hour on any one case because they have so many cases before them because 90% of the population needs legal assistance or 80% are actually near the poverty level. So if you are just pretty much paying your bills on a week-to-week -week basis and you're living check-to-check -check like 80% of the country, you're probably going to need legal aid whenever you go before any legal matter or you're going to have to do it on your own. So with that being said, I bring up the Central Park Five because in nowadays, it's more about revenue generation than it is about the actual guilt or innocence and if you actually look at the terms the one thing that always kind of caught my attention was the fact that you're either guilty or not guilty but you cannot plead innocent because that lets you know that nobody cares about your guilt or innocence they care about how much money can you give the system and when you look at a case such as the Central Park Five, you look at the fact that they were interrogated for 30 hours. They were minors. Four of them were black, one Hispanic, and they ranged from the ages of 14 to 16. Now, during a 30-hour interrogation, all five had stated 
except for actually four of the five had stated that they had done a portion of or the attack on the young lady in Central Park. But all of them had recanted once they had sleep and food. I'm going to cut from this just for half a second because we're looking at children that were 14 to 16 years of age and they were interrogated for 30 hours. Now we go into Dallas. You had a young lady who was at work. She was li literally at work for 14 to 15 hours. She stated that her mental capacity was not allowing her to realize, one, where she lived at, what apartment she was going to, and her actions of even seeing a person in the light. Yet, 14 hours, we're looking for an excuse for this young lady. 30 hours, we also convicted these 14, 15, and 16-year-old children of something that they had no means of ever undertaking. And what happened was they all were questioned. All of them denied it. All of them gave a description. And when you're looking at what they call eating and sleep deprivation, the things that come up are your inability to process information, your inability to focus, you become drowsy, your memory is also distorted. And when we're talking about 14 hours, that shouldn't be a long time. Now, what we have to also realize is that a normal work day is eight hours. There's a reason that a normal work day is eight hours with a one hour break or 30 minute break in between so you could rest and eat. The reason for it is because it starts to set in after four and a half hours. You would think, okay, that's not a whole lot of time. It's actually not. But when you are talking about 12, 13, 14, 15, 24 hours without eat or proper sleep, you know how your body feels when you only have maybe a nap during a 24-hour period or you only sleep two or three hours in a 24-hour period. Your body feels like trash, and then you find yourself forgetting a lot of what your, your normal behavior is. Why? Because your body is now off track. So when you're talking about these pleas, when you're talking about giving out something, and you're talking about the fact that we're asking someone in a stressful situation to make a decision that is going to affect their entire life. It has to be done with a clear mind. It has to be done with rest. It has to be done with absolute focus. So when you're putting someone in a stressful situation where their liberty is at stake, you have to take into account that taking a plea may not be your best option at all because once you enter a plea, you are guilty, period. No questions asked. You cannot go and have an appeal and be found not guilty. You cannot get retried. Or in some cases, you enter a guilty plea and you have a first trial. Because even you look at, again, the Central Park Five, 
All of them served between six and 13 years in prison. The reason for that was because they could not re-enter a new plea. And the only reason they were able to actually get an appeal was the fact that after they were locked up, after all the things had gone through, there was this case in Kentucky that stated interrogations lasting longer than a certain amount of time were illegal. There was also another case that popped up to where a minor being questioned without an attorney or a legal guardian was illegal. Because even at the time of their arrest, New York had a statute which allowed for a 16-year-old to be questioned without uh, legal guardianship. And they exercised that. And these young men all, I think only one had their parents with them. And they ended up still taking a deal because they were pressured into doing so. Now, in 2002, Matisse Reyes confessed and had a DNA match to the attack in Central Park, which exonerated the Central Park Five. But they still were not allowed out of prison. No one from the Central Park Five had a DNA match. All of them had also confessed. With the DNA match, they were later allowed new trials for those that were still in prison. I'm gonna say that one more time. It was after 2002, after Matisse had, was the only one that was found to have a DNA match to the attack victim in the Central Park attack. And none of the Central Park Five DNA matched the rape victim. They were allowed a new trial because again, they did not have a form of ineffectiveness of counsel. They did not have negligent acts. What happens is they got new trials. They were all exonerated. They also went back and sued the city of New York, which is one of the issues that New York is going through now because of Rudy Giuliani's stop and frisk, which they are still attempting to apply and they are still being sued for. Again, when you're looking at this though, we're going to look at the entirety of the situation because while the system itself is not set up for the innocent, the system itself is set up for the guilty. And one of the things I always tell people is the fact that when you're going to court, you are going for a fight. You are going to defend not only yourself, you're going to defend your honor, your integrity. You're going to defend yourself against the words of others. Now, one of my favorite rappers, Young Jeezy. Young Jeezy stated that those that go out and try to attack my character can't do it because I'm not acting. And it's always something that I take into court because you can attack my character. But the problem that you run into is the fact that I'm not acting. This is who I am. The guy that you see on Sunday is the same guy you see on Monday. And the one thing that people have issue with is you cannot change the facts. You cannot change the truth. And I have a great story to tell. Sometimes I do feel like Biggie. 
you know, because I have a story to tell as well. You don't have an opportunity with me for a plea because at any time, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six because you are going to have to have 12 people tell me what I did was wrong. And I know for the fact, if we're standing before 12 people, I don't care who those 12 are. You are going to have to have a great story to tell because it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. And you have to be able to prove the story that you're talking about. You have to be able to bring in facts that are relevant, not just those that are thought of. And again, these are things that are also being illustrated in the Amber Geiger case. There are a lot of things that were done. There are a lot of things that were made public, but there are also a lot of things that's not going to make it into the court case. Because of who she is, she's not going to make a deal. However, for the wrongful death suit, she's probably going to do things that's going to allow other things to seep into the criminal case. But again, those are things that are for the storyteller and in this case it's the attorney for Botham Jones estate and he is well versed in the things that he's doing because I've been watching him and he has been advising her in pretty much a capacity that I would he's taking the necessary steps to ensure that some form of justice is going to take place with Amber Geiger to get back on track is you have to understand what it is you're doing whenever you're even if you're looking at even taking a guilty plea on a traffic citation remember those things come back if it ever comes up again just like when you look at cases such as let's say R. Kelly Michael Jackson hell Wesley Snipes if it ever comes up again, it becomes a pattern of behavior. And that's something that's even used in bail hearings. So if you have a bunch of cases where you had traffic tickets and you missed a court date, that becomes pattern behavior or behavior testimony. So when you look at a situation when you're sued and you pay, guess what they're going to expect you to do every time? Your pattern or behavior is for paying when you're looking at someone that pleads guilty they're expecting you to be guilty because now they don't want to seem to be wrong so your pattern is to plea bargain your pattern is to go out and say you know what i did it because i just want to get it over with and i want to go home and they're going to expect you to do that every time and they're going to continue to do things that they did in the first instance to get you to behave in the same manner. So just think about that. You cannot retake or undo a guilty plea. You cannot retake or undo what you have already said because that's why they always tell you, oh, well, what you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Everything that is demeaning will be used against you. Anything that benefits you it's going to be twisted because, again, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. And what you have to understand is when you do something, and one of the old English terms is my words are my balls. 
Your word is your bond. What you say, you stand by. And they will hold you to it. Whether they say it out loud or not. They will hold you to a guilty plea. Which is why an Alfred plea is available. But most people have no idea what it is because they don't want you exercising it. Because as long as you maintain your innocence and you maintain your innocence on the record, there is always an opportunity for you to go back in and to say, you know what, they were wrong. And if they you prove they were wrong, they then have to pay you. And that's why you look at the fact that this country is not based on an actual guilt or innocent. It's one of those reasons I tell you 67% of all death row inmates that have been released have been found innocent. It is the reason you see so many people with the Innocence Project being let out of prison after 15, 20 years in prison for crimes they could not have committed. You have several people like Timothy Gardner and Savannah, or Garner and Savannah, that was executed even after witnesses said, hey, we were coerced. Even after there was video evidence that he was not there, he was still executed for a crime that he did not commit. Why? Because he confessed through police coercion that he committed a crime. And they will not admit that they are wrong unless they are forced to. Don't allow a plea. Don't take a plea, excuse me, and don't allow them to put you in a position that you are not ready or not able, not willing to remain in for the rest of your life. Because you have to understand that's exactly what this is. You are going into a fight for your life each and every time they are sticking their hands out and telling you, hey, we want that money that you have in your pocket. We want that hard-earned check that you're working for. We don't care shit about your kids. We don't care anything about your bills. We don't care anything about the lights. We don't care that you're not eating every day. All we care about is that you give us $100 here, $200 there, $1,500 to get out. These are things that are just for revenue generation. It has nothing to do with guilt or innocence, which is why innocence is not an option. So understand today is if you are finding yourself in a position that you have to or see a reason to take a guilty plea, the plea that you enter is an Alfred plea if you did not do it. This way you have an opportunity for new evidence to be brought for. This way it opens the door for appeals. This way it leaves you option and you are not always deemed something that you are not. So North Carolina v. Alfred, 1970 case. And it's where you can maintain your innocence through a guilty plea. And that's all for today. See you guys next week. I do appreciate everybody supporting. Go to my YouTube channel, Supreme Decisions. Watch, like, comment on the videos. Those of you that are still here, donate to the channel. Allow us to keep growing. Keep pushing out good stuff and keep putting out information that is actually relevant for what's going on today. And see you guys next week.